Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So what are these two cases that the Supreme Court has accepted? So we're going to see argument. Again, oral argument in the Rahimi case is this Tuesday. Only a couple of days away. And then the Cargill case has also been accepted. So what is at issue in these two cases? I'll tell you, this Rahini case, and I have mentioned this before, is a little bit scary to me. It's a little scary to me because it involves a very bad guy. That is Rahini. And he's a very bad guy on a number of different levels. He's reportedly a drug dealer. Reportedly has committed several violent crimes and reportedly has has assaulted women on multiple occasions involving multiple women. So he's not a sympathetic character and he's not a guy that I would ever choose and say, wow, that's the litigant. That's the party that I want representing the two way on an important case that's going up to the Supreme Court. And. This is a guy who, if he lost his Second Amendment rights because he's convicted of a crime, particularly a violent crime, none of us would shed too much of a tear. So why do we care about this case? We care about the case because of the issue where we have to separate the specifics of this guy, Rahini, from a very important, I think, constitutional principle, which is, can the, will the Supreme Court rule that you should be able to lose your Second Amendment rights, that the law should be able to strip you of your Second Amendment rights, a constitutionally protected right, when you haven't been convicted of any crime, and where the burden of proof the government has is only a preponderance of the evidence. That just basically means more likely than not. That's like 50.1% of the credible evidence supports the idea you should lose your gun rights. Again, you've not been convicted of any crime, and where the law does not even provide you the protection, the due process protection, of saying that if you can't afford a lawyer, that one will be appointed for you. So it's essentially a civil proceeding, and the context here, just so you know what we're talking about, is that, and I talked about this at length in my Essentials of Indiana Gun Law class just that I taught a few hours ago, that if you are subject to what we call a domestic violence order of protection, so it restrains you from harassing, stalking, intimidating, or trying to harm an intimate partner or a child of an intimate partner, then you've lost your gun rights. And this came into law as part of the Brady Bill in 1994. So it's really very recent. Indiana has a very similar law. So this is both a federal law, and that's what's at issue in the Rahimi case. But Indiana has an almost identical law. It says if you're subject to a domestic violence order of protection, you've lost your gun rights. The problem is that it's not a criminal proceeding in the sense that 
the results of it are not that you go to jail. It's just that you have this order of protection issued against you. A lot of people call these restraining orders, and that's not really the accurate term. Domestic violence order of protection is really a much more accurate term. But the way this works, and I went into this in detail in my class today, is is someone in, in here in Indiana, for instance, in Marion County, you can go to the Marion County Clerk's page on the Indy.gov website and fill out an application for a domestic violence order of protection. And and if your request for the protective order meets the requirements of the statute, that is, it establishes that you're being stalked or harassed or threatened or you legitimately fear personal injury at the hands of an intimate partner, then the court will issue what's called an ex parte order of protection. Ex parte just means the court's only heard from one side. There's been no due process at that moment in the sense that the person's had a right to a hearing, the person's received a hearing, the person's had the right to counsel, the person's had the ability to defend themselves, present evidence in their own defense, compel the production of, 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 of evidence from the other side. There's been no due process. And, and, and in the moment the ex parte order is issued, you've not yet lost your gun rights under state or federal law. But both the state and federal law, they both say if you had an opportunity for a hearing, that is, you didn't necessarily have to get a hearing. You just had the opportunity to have one. A lot of times once you get an ex parte order, you have certain a certain number of days, typically 30, where you have to ask for a hearing if you want to contest the order. If you don't ask for a hearing and there's no hearing, well, now the order becomes final. Once that final order is issued, or let's say you request a hearing, or the court just schedules a hearing, different courts do it different ways, and you show up and you lose, and the court says, no, I think there needs to be an order of protection entered. And here we're dealing with a process in Texas where it's just a civil proceeding involving a preponderance of the evidence. It's not beyond a reasonable doubt doesn't involve getting you convicted of a crime. They've just decided that, no, you're, you've engaged in conduct that means this order of protection ought to issue. You've now lost your Second Amendment rights. And the issue before the court is, does that violate the Second Amendment when the burden of proof is only preponderance of the evidence, when there's no, since it's not considered a criminal proceeding, you don't get a lawyer appointed for you if you can't afford your own lawyer. There's no requirement that the state prove its case or the person asking for the order of protection prove his or her case by a standard of beyond a reasonable doubt like in a criminal case. So without all those due process protections, you've lost your Second Amendment rights. And listen, do I think that should be the law? No, I don't. I think it should be a beyond a reasonable doubt standard. I think you should have a lawyer appointed for you if you can't afford one. I think we ought to we ought to we ought to dramatically increase the due process protections that go into this process. None of that means that I'm arguing that there's not an incredible problem with domestic violence in this country. Listen, my mom's been the victim of domestic violence, certainly not by my dad, but long after my parents were divorced, mom was horribly abused. 
And I had a real hard time with that. Would I have a problem with that person losing his Second Amendment rights? Well, not given that particular person, but I have a problem with the process that doesn't afford basic due process as it does in criminal cases. And with someone losing their Second Amendment rights, they haven't had all those protections. And when the burden of proof is so much dramatically lower than a criminal case. And that's what the Supreme Court is going to decide. It's going to do it in the context of this particular guy, Rahini, being a very bad guy by all reports. Again, assaulted multiple women, had protective orders issued as to multiple women, and and committed several different gun crimes reportedly, but he didn't lose his gun rights because he'd been convicted of a crime. He lost his gun rights only because of this domestic violence order of protection. So the Supreme Court's going to have to be able to separate the fact that Rahini is not a sympathetic guy, and nobody's going to look at this individual and say, wow, that's a dude that I really care about, and a guy I really care about whether he retains his Second Amendment rights or not. But that's dramatically different than not caring about the process by which he lost his Second Amendment rights. And, and the Supreme Court's also going to decide this under the test that was created in the Bruin case that just got handed down last summer. That's a new test. And I said when this case came, when that case came down, how dramatically it was going to change Second Amendment litigation in this country and the determination of whether a law is constitutional or not. And while we're a little late going into this break, we're going to take we're going to take a break. We come back. I'll explain how the new test works and how that stacks up in the Rahini case in terms of whether I would expect Rahini to win or lose that case. Again, not because he's a good guy, not because he's a sympathetic party in a lawsuit, but because under the Supreme Court's newly announced test, announced just last summer in the Bruin case, I don't see how the government wins that case. I think there are Supreme Court justices who were going to try to lean that direction because Rahini is such a pathetic, such a lousy, miserable guy. But if you apply the, the strict rule of law as announced in the Bruin case, I don't see a path forward for the government winning the case. I think Rahini wins the case. 